Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Outreach. That's Outreach.io, the leading sales engagement platform. Outreach supports sales reps by enabling them to humanize communications at scale, from automating the soul-sucking manual work that eats up sales time, to providing action-oriented tips on what communications are working best. Outreach has your back. It's a great product. The company is filled with amazing people. And I can tell you firsthand, Outreach will make your sales org better. Do yourself a favor and check them out today. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Exvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will change careers in, in, in your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to these sales success blueprints. Now... Get ready for some sales insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. I'm excited to introduce today's guest. Adam Peake has been driving growth for companies in the packaging world for a long, long time. Adam's currently with the Fortis Solutions Group. It's a high-growth packaging and printing company specializing in solving business problems around labels, shrink sleeves, folding cartons, and flexible packaging. They've got 14 locations around the United States, and they help companies tell their brand stories in extremely innovative ways. In addition to being a successful salesperson, Adam is also a successful podcast host, an ordained minister, and a lifelong salesperson and sales leader. Today, Adam's joining us to talk about a different kind of leadership, and I'm super excited to have him join me. Doesn't matter if you're a rep listening to the show or you're a leader listening to the show, our conversation today is going to be a difference maker for everyone. Adam, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Rob, man, I'm, I'm super pumped. I, um, I actually grew up listening to sports talk radio, and uh, I would listen to Jerry Schimmel. He'd be calling Denver Nuggets games. I'm a huge Denver Nuggets fan. And I remember the first time I called in in high school to uh, 850 KOA, and I got to say, first time caller, long time listener. And that's how <laughs> I feel about the podcast. <laughs> I've, well, been, I've been listening to, to this podcast, you know, since we met about a year ago. Uh, the content has been, I mean, when I say like it has, it has changed aspects of my life, like it's made me a better parent. It's maybe a better husband, a better salesperson for sure, um, a better a better basketball coach. Um, I'll give you an example real quick so we won't get into all of this. But last night I was coaching my sixth grade AAU basketball team here in West Jordan. Nice. And we were getting we were getting crushed, um, and the and the boys were getting down. And I pulled them in, and you know what I said this, and I got this from your podcast. I was like, what can we control? And they all looked at me and they were like, <laughs> our energy, our attitude and how we treat people. I was like, well, then go out and control that. Like it was, it was, uh, it was awesome. And so uh, I guess shout out to, uh, shout out to Jay Barrows for the. Uh, nice. Yeah. That's the that. concept. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, you and me are going to have to be friends, even though you're, you're cheering for the nuggets when my jazz are chasing you guys down. So. Uh, yeah, we can, we'll figure out a way. It ain't, it ain't over yet. That's all I'm going to say for now. We, we got other stuff to, to get to. So <laughs> for, from one uh, basketball fan to another, I'm, ex- I'm really excited to have you on. It's been good to get to know you. I'm, I'm a big fan of what you do. And honestly, this topic is one we've never addressed on the show. And I'm super excited. I think our listeners are going to really dig the conversation we had today. 
But before we dive in, let's start like we always do. I mean, I'll start by, you know, introduce us to, to Fortis. Tell us what you guys do, and then we'll get into your personal story. Yeah, awesome. So um, I've been here at Fortis now uh, for, for only a few months, actually. Uh, but uh, I joined the organization because I'm excited about the direction in which they're going. Um, really, they have a people first uh, mantra from John Wynn, our CEO, down through Bill Smith, and then my direct report, Derek Smith or Derek Sims, who I believe that you, yeah. you know. Derek's awesome. Um, Derek's great. Uh, and so um, when I was going through a transition, I, I actually was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be able to kind of pick which company I wanted to go to. And so I chose Fortis. They're growing like crazy. They have a huge focus on uh, sustainability when it comes to packaging. And by sustainability, I mean making stuff that's good for the, for the environment and for the earth. And they really put a focus on, on that. And that's kind of the next frontier in packaging is, you know, how do we save our planet together and how do we work together? So focusing on that, not just as a, as a good thing to do, but because brands and consumers are looking for it. So uh, we've been able to focus a lot in on that um, and continue to drive innovative growth uh, in, in a real legacy industry like printing and packaging. Packaging is the third largest industry in the world. Really? The third largest mm-hmm. industry in the world. Well, it makes yeah. sense, though, because you're, t- you're, like I said in the introduction, I think that what I, what I really think people don't think about when they think about the industry, you help people tell their brand story. Yeah. Yeah, we can't teleport stuff from the end of a manufacturing line like Mike TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. We can't do that into somebody's <laughs> house. So it's got to be put in, it's got to be packaged. And that's all part of the brand experience. I mean, I don't know how many people you know, don't throw away their Apple boxes because it's just so elegant. You know, yeah. they've done, they've done a great job. The, the experience of opening something has, has a lot of, there's a, well, I have a whole podcast about that, so I won't get into it too deep, but nice. yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool and exciting uh, industry to be part of. Well, I think that's an eye opener for me. I didn't, I knew that it was an important industry because you're telling the brand story, but I didn't realize it was the third largest. And so, yeah. For you to be involved in helping a couple of different successful companies uh, grow there, that's I'm excited to have you talk a little bit about how you've been able to do that. But let's let's shift to you. Let's let's talk about you. You know, how'd you get into sales? How you know what's your story? What got you to where you are? And and we'll use that to bridge into the I think the important topic that we're going to address today. Yeah, for sure. Well, I most people would not know me because I live in Utah and I and I'm not in SaaS sales. It's like everybody here that I meet is in SaaS sales. Uh, Silicon slopes, baby. Silicon slopes. That's right. Um, so I did not grow up here in Utah. I grew up in Colorado. Um, I, I learned sales lessons along the way. For example, uh, I met a girl when I was 16 years old in high school. And for about two and a half years, I pursued her uh, to, with, with no reciprocation. Uh, she denied me for dates. She turned me down for prom, uh, the, the whole nine. And, um, and one of the lessons that I had to learn was, I was not uh, I was not the person that I needed to become, and so I went away to college. I went to the Colorado State University, which is the Harvard of the Rockies, and uh, go go Rammies. And so at CSU, I really grew, um, and then we went out on our first date, and we've been married now for almost seventeen years. We have five kids. Eight, Congratulations! Oh, ten, eight, six, and four. Thanks. Thanks. It's, uh, it's, it's exciting. And actually having kids is what really got me into packaging when she got, I was, uh, I graduated from college and I, I became a pastor. So I was to become an ordained licensed, uh, reverend. Uh, so I have a Wu-Tang t-shirt that says old dirty Baptist on it. I got (laughs) ordained as a, in the SBC Southern Baptist. Uh, and so that's what I was going to do. And then my wife got pregnant and I was raising support. I was literally asking people, you don't know what raising support is. You have to go around and ask friends and family for money. There's no sustainable, you know, unique sustainable advantage. There's no, hey, let me talk to you about the features and benefits. There's none of that stuff. You're literally like, do you want to give me $100 a month so I can help change the course of college students' lives? And that's a, that was tough. You know, again, I didn't realize I was getting into sales. Um, I thought I was going to be doing vocational pastoral ministry my whole life. But when my wife got pregnant, um, you know, your eyes kind of open up to the reality of just finances and the world and what's going to be happening. And I ended up getting uh, a job with my uncle in San Diego in packaging where I did everything but sales. 
Uh, I did uh, procurement. I did some marketing. I did accounting. I was the delivery driver for a little bit. Um, I, I was given the title general manager, which was I just generally managed to do everything, which is <laughs> which has been That's incredibly awesome. helpful. It, it was a small company, you know. There was there's very few people, um, and it's called Peak Packaging. Love my uncle. Learned I learned a ton, and so. Um, but it's, it's helped me now in my, in my job as a, you know, in, in, as a, you know, senior account executive, it's helped me to have empathy because I've actually sat on the other side of the table a lot of times. So super grateful for that, um, that training that I got there, um, moved to Colorado to start a church where I helped pastor that church for eight years in Colorado Springs. Um, and during those eight years, I was at a company called WS Packaging doing sales for them. Uh, was able to apply a lot of things that I learned through my pastoral training um, and and through my general manager job to kind of grow with sales territory that had had traditionally not been all that successful from about eight hundred thousand dollars to ten million a year in revenue so um, that's a little bit about my background so do as I said love the Denver nuggets and uh, sneakers and hip hop music so there you go Love it. I love the journey. You for sure are the only person we've had on the show that is an ordained minister that has used that to help him in sales. So, so there's that. Um, I love it. I love your background. I love, I've loved getting to know you, but what I want to talk about now, I think is, is a really, really important topic. And it's one that you brought to me that, that I think you're the perfect person to have this when you're at the, the organization before where you are now at, at, uh, at Fortis, I, I was able to go do a keynote speech for your team to do a, as a sales kickoff. And so I got to know your organization a little bit as part of that. And um, when I was around and participating and, 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 and doing that kickoff and, and with your leadership team, what I noticed was just how big of a leader and an influence you were. You weren't the CRO, but your thumbprint was on everything, like the tools that they selected. And uh, you're a high performer. You won one of the performance awards uh, that day in the awards meeting. And, mm-hmm. and, and I listened and I watched and I was, I was really struck by just how big of a leader you could be in the organization, even if you didn't have like the VP or the CRO title. And when we were talking and, and you, were, you had the idea that maybe that's an interesting conversation, how do you lead when you don't have the title? I think that's a super interesting topic. To tee it up, John Maxwell is one of my very favorite leadership people. I think he's one of the best leadership experts in the world. Mm -hmm. He has this five levels of leadership. And the fledgling level is what he calls positional leadership, where you have the title and they follow you because they have to. But all the other levels of leadership are based on people following you because they want to. And I want to talk about that. You know, how do you do that? I mean, what you've got a really interesting point of view on this. Is it possible for a sales person uh, to be a leader if they aren't the sales manager or the VP of sales or the CRO? Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I think not only is it, is it possible and, and Ralph Barcy on your podcast kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, if you're in sales, you, you are a leader. You have to lead. Uh, there's a great quote. I don't remember who said it, um, but he said, uh, or she, because again, I don't know who it was. Um, business does not start until something is sold. Yes. Right? Yes. And so th- this idea that if, if you are a direct contributor, if you have a budget, like I have a budget in 2020 that I have to hit. Um, there's probably, I hope there's a lot of people out there who, who are in a similar position. Um, you are a leader. In all likelihood, you are one of the highest compensated people inside of your organization. Um, you are the one bringing in information from the marketplace that's going to feed uh, innovations. Where are we going? What is the mission and vision? Uh, what kind of operational excellencies do we need to put into place? Uh, you're feeding information to marketing, to estimating. You're bringing back, you know, uh, cost. You know, you're under. You you have all of this information, and so I would I would argue that it, it's it's not just possible. It, it's it's almost a necessity for a company to treat everybody in sales. And, and that from, from that position is really where when, when I was at my previous company, now even here at Fortis, that I've always taken up that and said, it's, it's, on, it's on me. You know, I, I am responsible 
for, for me and the things that I can do. And if I fail, uh, there was, we, we had put together some numbers that for every $275,000 in annual business, the, that was a job that was created. And so if I fail, if I'm not, if I'm selling bad products and that's, and that's crushing EBITDA and crushing margin, if I'm not, if I'm not actually finding problems to solve and I'm just making concessions after concessions, if I'm a bad salesperson, people can lose their jobs or we can't hire enough people. So to, to get the job done. So I do think that there maybe has to be sort of a, a transforming of the mindset of salespeople other than I just got to go out and sell to, I have to leave because you have to sell outside, but you also have to lead internally. You've got to interact with all sorts of different people, at least in the industry that I'm in. All right. Well, I think that that sets it up really, really well. So I got a, I got a lot of people around the world. We got thousands of people, you know, around the world, listen to this right now. And this is our topic, man. How do we have the salespeople, become leaders in the organization, not just leaders of the sales team, but leaders inside the organization. And so I love the setup. I agree. Nothing happens till someone sells something. Uh, I think your perspective is, is, is really good. So let's start first by talking to the fellow AEs, the, the salespeople that are out there that yeah. might feel like, you know, Hey, I can only do so much. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm in the organization I'm in and they're the leaders, they call the shots, whatever. So, so let's talk through that. And then I want to shift and talk through and get some, some perspective as a sales leader. What can we do to create an environment where we can have this happen? So yeah. let's start from the, from the AE perspective. You're an AE. How, how do you become that kind of leader? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? So for me, it starts with, uh, I would just call my guiding principle. And I might get a little pastoral here, but you did say I was the only one who's you've ever had on. So yes. you guys can, you guys can deal with it, I guess. But uh, <laughs> My, I have this guiding principle and it is, it is a rock solid principle in my life, which is that every single person has value, has worth and has dignity. Um, and that's how I treat people in, in, in the it. Christian circles. It's called, it's, it's a theological term called the Imago Dei, which means the image of God, that everybody has the image of God inside of them. And that when we lose that, and, and I was able to get perspective on this. Um, and not everybody can do this, I understand, but um, I got to go spend a week in, uh, in Kigali, Rwanda, and then also up in Ruangari. And part of that time, I got to sit with genocide orphans from the 1994 Rwanda genocide and hear their stories wow. and, and, and just let them tell me what happened, what did they see through a translator, obviously. And the thing that kept coming up, you know, kind of time and time and time again, what the stories they would share was there was a dehumanization of the other of the person they would they would call them grasshoppers and insects and things like that which is what led to you know ultimately a million people in a country that had seven million people dying in a hundred days and so when so that that has to be true if you're an accounting and I'll get, I'll get to why i think that's so important here in a second that that has to be true that you 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 have to go and treat it whether it's internally you know, people in ops or people in marketing or finance or accounting, but those people have value. So, so when we, when we start with this idea that we have a guiding principle that everybody is, is worth this, then, then this will carry in, I think, internally and externally. So when I make a cold call, for example, I'm not, I'm not calling somebody to try to sell them something necessarily. They're not an in, they're not a means to an end that lines my pocketbook. I am legitimately calling them because they have worth, they have dignity, they have value as a person. And I want to know for sure, how can I help them succeed in their job? That is my ultimate goal. And oftentimes, Rob, that means that I'm telling them, hey, we're not the right fit for you, or you want to talk to this person over here, whatever that is. Okay, so, so this is kind of the, the, the core principle. Uh, Lauren Hill, the, the great hip hop artist in okay. the education of Lauren Hill, has a line that she repeats over and over in the song, Do Wop That Thing where she says, how are you going to win if you ain't right within? Do you remember that song? No, but I like the line. If you I like the right lyric. Within? I oh, like it's it. It's so good. It's so good, right? How are, you, how are you actually going to go out and win internet? How are you going to lead? How are you going to go out and do this stuff if you're not right within? And so I think for the AEs, it starts internally. It starts intrinsically looking and saying like, who, who do I know that I am? 
And once, and once you kind of can get that right, it lets you bring your whole self to work. And I think that's the mark of a good leader is somebody who can be who they are, that they don't have to be one person at work and one person away from work, that they can actually bring their whole self and begin to lead. And so that's really what I did um, at, at WS was I just brought my whole self. Um, you know, it was, it was, this is on, this is on me. And I want to help the people quote above me. I want to help them succeed. I want my boss to be the most successful boss in the entire company. Right. And I want that. I want for the board meetings to be incredible. Like that's what I want for the people above me. And when I wanted that, then I could just, I could start bringing them ideas, concepts, things like that. Uh, you know, demanding coaching. Hey, I need to be coached. I need to be helped. Uh, finding a software, like finding uh, what, that's how I met you was, yep. was finding X point and saying to them, we need this. You guys evaluate it. You guys, but, but what do you think about this? So bringing ideas. And if you don't have a culture that allows for that, that's going to, I mean, that's going to be tough. And I think that we can maybe get to that a little bit, but. Um, well, I like that. So let's sit on that for a second. So yeah, you, you did, you, you were active in saying these are tools that we need. What's the difference between bringing like a, a an idea that people take serious and someone saying, Hey, I, like I know that sometimes leadership teams will look at a rep and say, you know, the fact that you're asking for something sometimes comes across as an excuse for why you might not be doing well enough. Or uh-huh. instead of like figuring out how to win, you're, you're spending this time looking for other solutions. How, how do you cross that bridge? How do you, how do you handle that? Oh man, that's a great question. I think it's, uh, it, it is around the idea of trust uh, because you're so right. There's going to be, a, there, there's going to be people who just go, I can't do my job unless I have this, you know, this thing, whatever it is. And, and if you keep doing that, you become like the, bull, the boy who cried wolf a little bit. Right. Um, and for me, I didn't come right out of the gates. I didn't just like get this job and go, hey, we, you know, we need to have Salesforce. We need to have this. We need to have this tool. Um, I, I, I was able to take what we had and I, and I worked within that. And then I started analyzing. Um, I, be, I actually became maniacal about my time and uh, the idea of sales velocity and compressing the sales cycle, I became just enamored with that concept. And when I started to really get enamored with that concept, then I would go out and look and test and vet things for myself. And still to this day, I am paying for stuff out of my own pocket, trying to see if it would work for the organization. And if it doesn't, then, then it doesn't work. Um, but I had to earn that trust over a period of years um, and, and a lot of that is soft, you know, it's, it's, it's doing the right things. It's showing up on time. It's, you know, doing all the prospecting calls. It's, it's doing all the hard stuff that builds that up internally that when you bring an idea, they go, this isn't just another excuse. Uh, this guy, this guy or this girl knows what, knows what she's doing. So as I listen to you talk about this, I write down a word on my notepad right now and the word is investment. You're making investments mm-hmm. in your own career. And, and you talked about it two ways. One is time, actually three ways. One is time. You said you had to do the work. You had to make the calls. You had to do those things. The second part on time was just like the, I don't know what the right word is, the science, the measurement, mm-hmm. you know, the compression of the sales cycle. I love that you talked about doing that on your own rather than just working hard, which you did in step one. Then you got, and you said, how do I get better? And that led to you saying, sometimes I bought stuff on my own that I just funded myself so I could, I could build my own case on why we needed this. So yep. those are three ways that you did investment. One is just working hard. Number two is tracking and saying, how do I get better and getting obsessed with improvement. And then third was buying tools. What are your thoughts about the need for a rep to invest in their own career? Well, you, you have to, I mean, especially for me. So and I don't, before I, you I, answer, Adam, can I interrupt yeah. and finish my question? Yeah. Cause there's a lot of reps that are listening to you right now that are saying, I'd never do that. Sure. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. You know, they're paying me to show up and work hard or I would never invest in, in a tool of some kind. Um, and, and, and measuring stuff, that's just being babysat. Uh, yeah. I, but I look at your side as totally different. You're like, no, I'm, I'm investing in my career. So that's why I wanted to finish that. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but with that no, said, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So I don't want to speak for every single sales professional out there, right? I have a very narrow view, which is my job. But when I became, um, when I realized that I was going to be compensated for my output versus my time, that 168 hours a week 
that we are given, right? Time is socialistic. You know, it's, it, it is, it's the same for everybody. Money's going to be all over the place. Uh, the value that people pay for your time. But you, every single person will have 168 hours a week, about 112 hours a year awake. And when I realized that, that I owned that because I was paid for my output, that was not being compensated for my time by and large. I mean, a little bit of it was, but for the most part, there, there are sales, listen, there are salespeople who are the stereotypical, you know, they're, 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 they're playing golf. They've got a, a minus two handicap. They're not really, then they're just living off of, off of the residuals, right? More power to them. That was not, it could not be me. I couldn't do that. Um, and so when, when, when I really started to focus on that and I realized that I am the CEO of the Peak family, that this is my business, it became a no brainer to start investing my own money. And then oftentimes what happened is I would say, hey, I, I paid for my own sales navigator tool and I would go to, I would keep track of everything and I would measure it all myself. Nobody told me to do this. There was no top down force stuff on this. And I would just report up, hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is stuff that I'm learning. Um, you know, the, the stuff with Exvoyant, I came to your office quite a few times, met with you guys, asked a lot of questions, you know, really wanted to vet it. All of that was because I knew that I was, I was the CEO of me. And, um, you know, I was, I was going to measure, there's a book called measure what matters. I was going to measure the things that mattered to me and I was going to take control of that. And I was going to invest in it because quite frankly, the company for sure benefits more than me if I compress my, my sales velocity, or if, if I, you know, if I increase velocity, compress time from ideation or for, you know, first meeting to revenue realization, the faster that I can do that and the more efficiently I can do that, the quicker that I get paid. So why wouldn't I invest my own money into it? And eventually the company invests in it because they're, and, and then they can scale it. So that's how I looked at it. I don't know that everybody would, but. No, everybody doesn't. And you're not the first person to do this. I've heard lots of the best uh, AEs and leaders and thought leaders, like you already mentioned about our guy, John Barrows. John's a good friend of the show and a friend of me. Mm -hmm. I've heard him talk about that many times that if you're not willing to invest in your own career, your own success, how can you expect an organization to? And so it was interesting that you right. went there with, without like going there, you went there. And so I was really interested in that because I, I feel like that's something that a lot of people want. And, I, and so that, that sets the next question up. When an organization sees you taking your career that seriously, does that make them more apt to let you have influence on what happens? Yeah. And sometimes that's, that's, uh, I, I think that it's almost, I don't want to say it's accidental, but there, there's so much going on at the, you know, the SVP and the C level and just, you know, I, I don't, I've never had that job before, so I'm not going to speak specifically, but I just, I know there's a ton of responsibility. And so sometimes I think when a rep just raises their hand and says, Hey, this is what I'm doing. It's like, yes, please go take it, run with it, report back. Let me know what's going on. And Again, coming from this position of empathy, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and I'm saying, well, what would I want from a rep? Do I want somebody who's, who's just sort of hanging out or do I want somebody who's investing in their own time and who's bringing us ideas? I think I would want the person bringing us ideas. And so that's, that's what I would go do. Um, and so the, when I'm, I'm, I think I'm losing track of the original question. What was the original question again? Sorry. So the question was when you invest like that and you're the yeah. one, so you're not just sitting there saying, Hey, I need this data tool or, Hey, I need this presentation tool or, Hey, I need this lead gen tool or whatever. You're instead right. saying, Hey, I've been doing this and I've been trying to take my cycle time from here to here. And when I use this tool or this approach, it looks like it's working. Um, I, I think that this is something that we ought to look at on behalf of the organization. When you have that kind of approach that you've shared as your approach, does that make it easier for leaders to turn to you for help and turn oh, right. to you yes. for insight and take you seriously? All of those things. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And you talk about an investment in your own career. Um, you know, you, you build up that internal cachet of goodwill um, and yes, you start getting called on, you start getting more responsibility. Um, you know, you, you start getting, uh, you, you going to, going to the trade shows and being at the, you just, there, there is more things that will happen because you are trusted. Um, you want to be a trusted advisor with your, with your customers for sure. But what about internally? Do you want to be viewed as a trusted advisor internally that people can come to? 
and, and they can talk to about, about these things. So you end up getting involved in conversations just because you are willing to do the investment on your own. Okay. So I, I love that. And I think that's a really important thing for AEs to hear is talk is cheap. And so instead of being like what I, I call it pigeon management, man, when a pigeon flies over it, they take a dump on it and then they fly away. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so no pigeon management allowed. And so what you're suggesting though is, is the opposite of that. You're like, Hey, this is what I've tried and this is worth looking at. And, um, and I just watched what happened with you when I was there with, with your other organization, you were really, really highly thought of. It wasn't just because you were an award winner for production, but you were seen as an innovator in a company that wanted to become more innovative. I, I watched mm-hmm. it. And yeah. so um, anyway, that's why one of the things I wanted to dive into is, is how do you become that person that's seen as, because here's what I also think as, as, as I, as I listen to you talk and I have my sales leader hat on, I've been a sales leader for a long time. Sales leaders, they want to do things that will be accepted, adopted and, and help the reps do better. Mm-hmm. And, and when they have a rep that's endorsing something early on, it feels a lot less risky and a lot less like I'm leaning into the wind before I go down that road. Sure. And, and so I, I feel like what you're proposing is something that a sales leader looks not just accept, but they'll appreciate. And I guess that's my question is, do you feel appreciated when you do that? Or do you feel tolerated when you do that? Uh, I felt incredibly appreciated um, for, you know, for the most part, the, 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 the other part about that, I, I guess I just coming from the rep level to help someone who's been vetted by a rep and then it gets proposed and then you're the like it, it becomes I think that adoption might even become a little bit quicker because it doesn't feel authoritarian it doesn't feel like this top-down thing they have somebody they can go to who is who is doing their job like they have the same job they have the same goals and you're like hey this is right. why I, this is why I like cool. you can you can have that phone call it's a safe phone call to be like come on is this BS you're like no 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 this is why it works you know, um, we, we had that with, with ex you know, when we, when we adopted it, my previous company, people would call me up, Hey, is this, is, are they, are they just going to be just like more big brother? I'm like, no, this is actually anti big brother. You know, like Good. this is, and I was, a, I was able to share with them about why this is for your betterment. And, uh, you know, we talked about the, the sales pit. I'm going to sound like an ex commercial here if I don't, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was one tool that I could, that I could share with them and they would call me be like, come on, bro. Is this really, no, no, it's good. And, and it was a safe way to do it. So it's not only uh, it, did, did I feel appreciated, but it also helps with adoption a lot. It, it was the same with Salesforce and it was the same thing uh, when, we, when we added on uh, Exploit. And then also with LinkedIn, you know, like, come on, is this, it, it, it was always the same conversation and it could always end better rather than, you're not going to go have that conversation with your boss unless you've got a really good relationship with them. So I've written down two words as you've been talking from the AE or the rep side. One was, was commitment. You're the CEO of your career. I like how you said you're the CEO of your family. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying you're the CEO of your career. You're, sure. You've got to be in charge of where your career goes because no one else, I mean, it's your career, which then led to the second word I wrote down was investment. Um, so you need to invest in that so you can create that credibility, et cetera. Is there anything else before we flip and we start talking about uh, ways that leaders can help create leaders from their, from their reps. Anything else on how do you become a leader without the title? Yeah, just one quick thing. Uh, you yeah. mentioned John, John Maxwell um, and, and it reminded me uh, you, you have to be a, you have to be so studious. Uh, you have to be willing to invest time. Again, that word investment, invest time in reading and learning and studying from the best leaders, um, whether, whether they're business leaders or not business leaders. Um, you know, I, you, you talk often about John Wooden. Um, I think about like civil rights leaders, uh, you know, study and read them. You have, you have roughly 60 hours every week outside of work that you are not working, that you can invest in, in being a better leader that will benefit you, whether it's in the job or whether it's with your friends or whether you're, whatever it is that you want to do. Um, it's not a poor investment to, to learn and and read about the best leadership practices. So that would be my other recommendation. So you just said something else that I'm, I'm going to go. Now, that was the third time you listed off without even thinking about it, the number of hours and 
a day yeah. or a week or a whatever, working hours, non-working hours, you're so aware of, of the importance of time. And it's mm-hmm. clear. I mean, it's not because you said, oh, you must manage your time. You didn't say that. But I, I, I kind of gather that by the way that you're so sensitive to how much time you have for work or outside of work or whatever. Um, is that part of it? I mean, I, you, again, you hear a lot of people talk about time blocking, time management. How important is that really? It's incredibly important. It, it is. Um, I mean, I don't know. I know a lot of people who will budget and track their own money. Um, I, I don't know a lot of people who budget and track their time, their time at work. You know, if you're in sales, how much am I prospecting? How is it working? Um, you know, what, what, how much more networking do I need to do? And what results is that, is that yielding? Who do that on their own? I get that that would be very cumbersome if somebody's telling you you had to do that. Um, for me, it came from uh, in, just internally. I was like, I, I need to do this. And I mentioned in my intro, I was past, I was helping to pastor a church in Colorado Springs and working a full-time job and being married with five kids. This was a necessity for me that I was not going to get more time. I could get more money, right? I could get more friends. I could get more Denver Nuggets content or whatever it was. I could not get back any more time. And so I became uh, super hyper-focused on that. And really when I started to, to, to look at it, how I spent my time outside of work and at work, I realized I wasted a lot of it. And that I needed to, I needed to grab hold of that again, um, and and be more productive. So yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in not just time time management is is, maybe a little bit played out. It is the word I actually wrote down as I listened to you was awareness. You're just aware. Yeah. That that's the word that I wrote. So I have four words on you now, Adam: commitment, investment, learning, uh, and then awareness. It's better than four four letter words. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. this has been good our time's slipping away from us it's it's been crazy to me how fast this has kind of gone by i want to i want to flip the lens a little bit so so for my leaders that are listening to you and there's probably a bunch of them going, man i wish i had more guys like adam man i wish i had people that were that committed and and that engaged and that aware how can leaders create an environment where where what you just described happens more often yeah, so I'm I'm gonna say something that might be a little bit uh, a, a little bit more interesting than you know just kind of like corporate culture because there's a lot of there's a lot of great books. Um, I think about like the Culture Code is a, a phenomenal book. Uh, he tells a story in there about uh, Greg Popovich and the culture he created with the San Antonio Spurs about knowing like the the, the exact wine and food of all of his players. Um, Whoa! So, oh yeah, like after they lost to the Heat, remember when Ray Allen hit that shot? And they lost the series. Yeah. There's a great story in this book about, about coach pop going, they had a place to celebrate. And he said, no, we're still going to hold dinner. And he got there first and walked around and made sure that every player had the wine that they wanted and the food that they wanted. They did not talk about the game. And, and there were assistant coaches who said, we won the NBA championship for the next year that day with coach pop. It's unbelievable. So uh, that that's a that's a phenomenal book. There's a lot of there's a lot of great content around around the idea of of creating culture. I think um, I think a lot of it maybe even starts with um, recruitment and who it is that we're trying to bring in. And again, there's a lot of content on that. But I, what I, what I see and observe a lot is that and and this is this is something that we're going to do just intrinsically. Um, just psychologically, we're going to trust people that look, act, think a lot like us. Um, and so as a sales leader, I think I would encourage you first to look at your, look at yourself, look at your friend group outside of work. Who are the people that you hang out with? Who are the mentors that you have in your life? And I would ask it, is there, is there a, an interesting level of diversity ethnically, uh, from, from a gender perspective, uh, and then even from a background perspective. So my background is not in sales, as an example. Um, a lot of the stuff that I learned was my pastoral background. You know, I learned it as a barista at Starbucks. Um, uh, wow. I, I learned, uh, you know, I learned, I learned about, for example, when I read Gap Selling by Keenan, yep. 
my, my first thought was this is this is evangelism training literally all all of my training around the idea of evangelism which is uh, now a sales term which is fun evangelist means to a bringer of good news so the idea of evangelism is to create the gap you know so you're a sinner and and you're and you're you're a bad sinner you create this large gap and then you say but there's a savior savior is jesus jesus fills in the gap so i read keenan and i was like hey I, I've been doing I've, this I've been for years. This. I've been doing this for years. <laughs> uh, and, but, but if I were to apply for a job and I see, you know, 10 years of sales experience, that might be a bit, that might, that, I'm not going to apply for that job if, if, at the time when I was coming out of my pastoral background. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, Mark Potter at WS, who's a, who's a dear, good friend of mine, is the one who hired me. He had to fight internally to hire me because they were like, why are we hiring the pastor? And and he fought for me to be hired there. So I think there's something about- And then you became one of the top guys, so. Right, and there's something about recruitment and 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 just who are we surrounding ourselves as sales leaders to be willing to, to not just hire people, uh, and there's a lot of talk about diversity, but are you willing to invest into your own life to to find people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different ethnicities because it's then that I think that you'll start to garner and, and your, your mind will be changed um, which is possible to happen and you'll start to see people differently and I think then you can start to recruit within your sales organization from from a more diverse uh, group like I said for certain you know it's needed ethnically it's needed with gender uh, there's there's people way more qualified to speak on that topic than I am um, I just know that there, if you're looking for people who are empathetic, who can have hard conversations, you know, there's a lot of trained pastors who have sat in the living room of a mom whose son is addicted to heroin and is crying her eyes out. That person's not going to be afraid of making a cold call. You know what I mean? Mm, love it. So that's the first thing. If you want to be a leader, it says, how do we get, so we recruit a little differently, uh, get a, yeah. be willing to look past the, the job requirements. There's been a lot of talk about that. On, on hiring for skills and not just experience. I, I think there's yeah. a lot of truth to that. And I think your angle is a different one on it, but it's an important one. What else? What else can leaders do? So yeah, get a, get a more um, yeah. rounded group in. Now with the people that you get, what, what can leaders do to help foster that, that kind of uh, approach that you've just shared that, that has led to having influence? Yeah, so um, you, you just had a guest on uh, fairly recently, Tiago, and he talked about giving trust. Um, and, and not, not making people earn your trust. Mm. And I, that's, that's a, I mean, for me, that was huge. The, the people that I've worked with, you know, over here at Fortis, Derek and Bill and John, um, you know, they hired me and they were like, we trust you. I don't know how many times I've heard, Hey, if it makes sense, we're going to do it. We trust you. And just those words, Hey, we trust you collectively from the CEO. John Wynn is the CEO who, who calls me on the phone. He's like, I trust you. I've been here for three months to hear him say that is, is incredibly big, right? It's incredibly huge. Um, and that goes all the way down to, you know, when I'm coaching my kids and I'm coaching these sixth graders. And I say, you have, you, I want you to go in and I want you to, I want you to defend their best player. I trust you that you can do that. Do you know what that says to a sixth grade boy? Oh, it's awesome, man. My coach trusts me. They're going to give the effort. They're going and when it, but but the key is when they fail, you've got to still be able to say, "I still trust you." And now, if it, if it becomes habitual, then it's like I have to coach you. <laughs> but but it's never it's never a situation where I'm like, "I trust you," and then they turn the ball over, or "I trust you," and then they don't get that deal done, and then you're like, "I don't trust you anymore." Well, then you didn't really trust them. You, you said the words, but your actions didn't follow. I like it. So I'm, I'm sitting here and I, and, I, and I always do a so what at the end of this. And I'm, I, I always take a bunch of notes and I kind of get my ideas on what I might say. And, and, and what I like as I listen to you right now, Adam, is I think that for, you already know this, more sales leaders right now are missing their number than are hitting it. Just like more sales reps are missing their number than are hitting it. And I feel like sales leaders don't realize how powerful the sales team is. They have a bigger resource than just people who can help them hit a number, right? Yeah. 
they, they have this resource of people who will help them figure out how to do more, do it faster, do it better. If they'll just elevate them and tap into that resource rather than just push that resource. Right. Yep. And any final thoughts on that as we, cause we are about out of time and I want to wrap up the way we always do any, any final sure. thoughts as you talk about leading without the title from either perspective, any, any final thoughts that you've seen in your career that you, you'd like to share on this podcast before we wrap it up and, and yeah, well, I'll make it real quick. So one thing that I think is, is true for both the, the AE or, um, or the sales leader is, um, and it, it even encompasses the idea of time is, um, is being present in, in a moment. And so if it's a coaching session and you're a sales leader, um, are you willing to be 100% present and focused on, on your rep and on what their goals and their, their objections are? If you are a rep, are you going to be 100% focused in, in the meeting, on the call, whatever it is? Um, there's a, if, if any, there, one, there is a poem that changed my life and maybe you can put a link to it. I don't know. Uh, by a uh, social activist, hip hop artist, spoken word artist named Propaganda. And it's called Be Present. And it's phenomenal. He talks about this conversation with his wife and with his dad, who's a Vietnam survivor. I won't, I won't do it justice. It's, it's awesome. But just that idea, um, when, when we are present with one another, um, great things happen. When we are actively, when we're not listening to give an answer, but when we are in tune to every you know, every word, the tonality, the people are saying it, whether it's from a leader or from a rep. Um, I think that it's going to help. It, it certainly has helped me get a lot better at, at what I do. I love it. It true to form. We started with a little hip hop. We're going to finish with it. I want to wrap right. this up. The, I want to wrap this up the way I wrap up every episode. I, I think your perspective will be a good one. You've alluded to a few things. I can't wait to get your, your take on it. What, what do you think the, the greatest sales leadership challenge sales leaders face. And, and from your perspective, what's the best way to overcome it? Man, the greatest sales challenge. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk around um, the, the need for it. And I alluded to this a little bit too, in kind of my guiding principle is um, individualistic sort of mental health. Um, I think that we just don't, we don't think about it. it. And I'm glad to see that we're talking about it way more often now um, than we are. But I, again, going back to that Lauren Hill quote, I think about that quote all the time, by the way, you know, being right within. Yeah, um, I wrote that I down. Think, I like that. Yeah, it's awesome. I think that that is, is, is a challenge for a sales leader to be able to sit down in a coaching session. I should be like, hey, how's your week? That's oh, good. And then move on because people are dealing with stuff all the time and, and that, that comes with them to work. And so being willing to maybe, maybe in a coaching session, uh, you know, this is assuming that people have coaching sessions, which I know is, has been covered at length on your podcast, but let's assume that you're, you're a leader and you're interacting with your reps and being willing to, maybe you don't get to the pipeline. Um, maybe what you talk about is, is, you know, the, their, their kids health. And how is that, you know, you actually show that you care. And, and, you know, I think that's a, that's a hard thing for a lot of sales leaders because a lot of sales leaders maybe are uncomfortable having those conversations. Um, but I, and that would be a challenge. Um, and how do they overcome it? I don't know. I mean, like so many things in, in life, pick, pick the, pick the reps that you trust the most and start having those conversations. Um, my dad, uh, my dad, who I, I love to death. I talk to him probably every day. He's a phenomenal salesperson, phenomenal sales mind. Um, and he used to tell me, you, you don't hurt yourself falling out of a basement window. So, you know, that's really people. insightful. So talk to people that you trust. If, if this is something that you want to get better at and say, say to them, Hey, I'm trying to get better at this. Um, and I, and I'd like to talk to you just like, how's your life, you know, how, how, how is your soul doing? Um, and there's probably a lot of sales leaders who are like, Oh, that feels so uncomfortable, <laughs> but it's so, it's so important because they're carrying that with them on, uh, you know, what is, what does David Sandler say? You, you're, uh, you, you don't have a problem with your prospect. Your only problems with your mother or something like that. <laughs> Because, because you carry with you all of that stuff in, into the sales call. So hashtag um, that, daddy issues are real, right? 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. <clears throat> so that's a good one. Let's get to this. Let's get to the next one. I'll be really interested in your take on this one. This is like a kind of a fan favorite. I get more comments on this one than anything else. And I'll be super interested in your perspective. When you're interviewing teammates, when you're interviewing other reps, members to join the team, what's your favorite interview question or concept to ask it? And what are you looking for when you ask it? Yeah. So this one, it's a little bit, I don't, maybe it feels a little gotcha. I don't know <clears throat> because it could be hard, but um, tell me something about the receptionist. And, and the reason why I think that that's interesting um, is because, when, again, going all the way back to this idea that people are intrinsically valuable um, and they have worth and they have value and they have dignity. Um, wh whenever I go into to a, a new meeting or even, even a cold call, yes, I still go, you know, I still go knock on doors. I still show up. Um, that person is not the gatekeeper. They're not some troll, you know, waiting for me. That's a human being. And I want to, I, I legitimately want to know them. I want to observe things about them. Um, so, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's his name or maybe it's, you know, a, a picture that she has just something like, or, or were you so focused on, um, on, on this interview, which I would not blame somebody for that, that you're missing, you're missing the people on the peripheral. Um, because I think that people who can pay attention to what's happening then and be, again, be present when you're checking in and not be a jerk and then actually go back and ask the receptionist afterward. This is a, I think it was in, what did I read about this too recently? I think it was Patrick Lencioni's, uh The Ideal Team Player. I think he talked, yeah, no, he talks about that in that book about going and asking the receptionist, hey, what did you think about, about that person? Oh, they were they were just whatever. They were kind of a jerk. Well, maybe you get a little bit of insight into them. Super I, insightful. I no one's ever asked that one. That's, that's really good. I love it. Last one. You've already alluded to this, that the great leaders are always learning. And so we've learned that leaders are readers. Uh, this goes to one of the things you talked about on always be going for what's next. And you shared a couple of great books already. Is there something that you would suggest people that wanted to advance their leadership career and get, get better at having influence in an organization. Is there anything you'd um, recommend that they get their hands on and read? Well, I would not be doing my pastoral duties if I did not recommend the book of Philippians uh, chapter two <laughs> in the Bible. Uh, okay. But for real, for real, no joking. Uh, there's, there's a, it says in there, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than you. But each one of you look not out only for your own interests but also for the interests of others. And so um, wow. I, I, love, I love the second chapter of the book of Philippians in the Bible. Uh, check it out. Uh, and then for those of you who are like, okay, whatever, Pastor. Uh, I, I mentioned um, a little bit The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt. The subtitle is Why Good People Divide Over Religion and Politics. But it's a fascinating book around how the human mind works. Um, and And how you should not weaponize that, but how you should use it in sales, how you use the fact that people are emotional elephants being ridden by a tiny intellectual writer. When people say like, nobody cares about features and benefits, it's because those aren't emotional, you know, that's hmm. playing this small little intellect. So I got a lot of sales wisdom out of that book. Um, Next Generation Leader by Andy Stanley, um, Derek Sims, my, uh, my boss over here at Fortis recommended that to me. It's, it was unbelievable. And then um, there's another great book called, I think it's, uh, it's called Biased by uh, Dr. Jennifer Eberhardt. And she talks about implicit, uh, impl understanding implicit bias. Um, and you'll understand what it is that you're bringing into the, into the meeting. It's whether you're a leader meeting with a rep or a rep meeting with a customer. So those are good ones. That's a lot, man. We got good stuff for the reading list there. Adam, yeah. <clears throat> this has been awesome. I, I really, I hope that our listeners take, sit down and really think this one through. Our job as sales leaders is to create a culture or an environment where the motivated can win. And mm -hmm. you've just shared how the motivated can have much more influence, not just with customers, but inside the organization. And, and I think it's a blueprint for success that will help organizations grow faster than they think. I, I'm mm -hmm. super grateful for people that want to continue the conversation, people that want to connect with you, people that might want to check out your podcast, you know, how do they do that? How do they get more Adam? How do they learn more about what you're doing? How do, how do they take the conversation to you? 
Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's LinkedIn. Um, so Adam Peek, P-E-E-K uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me there. I do. I post a, a fair amount of content on LinkedIn. Um, and then I do have a podcast. Uh, when I started it, my daughter, who's 10, uh, she's like, what are you going to talk about on a packaging podcast, Papa? Oh, I put the label on the bottle. And I was like, no, honey, it's a lot more exciting than that. So if you want to, if you want to learn about um, people in the packaging industry and just interviews that we do with, uh, with really, really cool people solving huge, massive, real, literally earth changing problems. Uh, it's the people of packaging podcast. So cool. uh, myself, and then I've got a co-host Ted Tate and we, uh, we just interview people in the packaging world. It's a lot of fun. All right. He, uh, he's, he's blending all aspects of life. Uh, my, one of my favorite takeaways from this today is his focus is making sure we can win because we are right within. And we will right. steal that lyric shamelessly. Adam, I really appreciate you bringing this topic forward. This has been a killer conversation. I, I, I'm proud that we were able to take this to our listeners. And I hope that this helps them create environments where the motivated definitely can do more than succeed, but have influence that makes the large group succeed, not just the individual succeed. So thanks, my friend, and happy selling. Yeah, thanks, Rob. You as well. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I need to thank our great friends at Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast and for helping us showcase great leaders like Adam Peak. And take a closer look at how someone can be a true leader regardless of their title, because that's exactly what outreach is all about, helping each rep become the best version of themselves and become as successful as they possibly can be. Outreach will help you create sales engagement your reps and your customers will thank you for, and they'll do it at scale very quickly. Outreach is built by salespeople for salespeople, and they know how to help you scale. That's why they're a manager and a salesperson's best friend. Now, we've had a couple of different types of guests re recently, and I was excited when Adam asked me if, he thought, if I thought the topic of leading without the title would be a good episode. And, and when we talked about that idea of what true leadership really is, I thought it was a no-brainer and something we had to discuss. Because while I believe this is a great topic under any circumstance, the topic of being a leader is more important under today's environment than ever before. Listen, we're facing things that we've never had to face. We've been through wars. We've been through uh, great recessions. Uh, we've been through all kinds of crazy things. We've never been through a pandemic. Companies need leadership more than they've ever needed it. And it doesn't have to just be the title leadership. In fact, the company can be filled with leaders, especially if you're a customer-facing leader. You can have a huge impact. Now, as salespeople, we need, to, we need to have a leader's approach to everything we do. You know, we learned this from John Barrows. You heard Adam talk about it a little bit today. I want to go back to that. Control your efforts. Control your attitude. Control how you treat those you come in contact with. I love those three uh, places that we can control things from John. This is much different than just adopting a quote-unquote, leave me alone and let me hit my number mentality. Those people are the lone wolves, and those lone wolves help companies financially, but they often create massive problems. One of the reasons I love Adam so much is his thumbprint was all over his organization, and he wasn't dependent on a title to do it. So right now, companies need leadership. My favorite definition of leadership comes from John Maxwell. If you haven't read John Maxwell, you need to. Do yourself a favor and start reading his work. Here's John Maxwell's definition. You ready? Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. So as you sit here listening to this podcast, I want you to ask yourself this question. How much influence do you create? Companies need influencers more than they've ever needed it. We've gone through wars. We've gone through recessions. We've seen all kinds of shit. But we have never gone through the pandemic, like I said earlier. And I don't mean that this isn't me like trying to be opportunistic. This is me saying there is no playbook for what we're seeing right now. So as a result, create influence by being someone that's finding solutions, not problems. I love this Lauren Hill reference. How are you going to win if you're not right within? Ask yourself, how can I be better within? To do it, invest in yourself. Don't wait. Take charge of your own development. It'll help you more than you'll ever know. Most sales orgs are only okay at the development of people. And as we move to a more remote, more mobile environment, I think that we're going to see this become a bigger problem. 
okay? Because it's harder to do when you're not eyeball to eyeball. And if most sales leaders kind of struggle with this, I foresee this becoming a bigger problem. So if you can take better charge of your own career development, you will have a significant impact on your organization and a significant competitive advantage against those you're selling against. Um, but I want to remind you of this, okay? I've seen people do this firsthand. When you find solutions and take them to your leader, you will be respected and you will be appreciated, okay? I've never seen that be something that makes people resent, resent it. In fact, it makes you stand out. So don't forget this. You, not your boss, are 100% responsible for the development of your career, okay? You're in charge of where your career goes. Do not cross your fingers and hope your leaders get it right. And leaders, when you find those reps like Adam that aren't going to sit on the sidelines and wait, empower them. Make them stars. Give them opportunities. Don't squash this kind of innovation ever. So get yourself right. Control what you can control. Don't waste professional cycles. Because remember, we have a limited, finite number of them. Make them count. Okay, I want to thank Adam Peake for suggesting we discuss this important topic. This idea of creating influence without title is something that will make every rep far more valuable than they ever imagined. Adam, thanks for sharing your story. It was a killer discussion. Thanks also to Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Outreach is the leading sales engagement platform. Supercharge your revenue building efforts and check out Outreach today. Your reps will thank you, your customers will thank you, and your team will accomplish more with the resources they have if you add Outreach to the equation. Keep your eyes open for the Outreach Unleash remote uh, summit coming your way. It's going to be fantastic. Most of all, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The show is growing faster each week, and I cannot thank you enough for the support and the shares. If you liked our show today, please, please, please head to iTunes and give us a five-star review as this is the best way for the show to grow and for me to continue to get access to the best sales leaders in the world. So here's to creating influence, no matter what your title is. I wish you all a fantastic week. I wish you safety. I wish you health. And I wish you success. And as always, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.